The KC Legend Show on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Live from Hollywood Casino at Kansas Speedway, here's your host, Sterling Holmes. Welcome into the KC Legend Show right here, Sports Radio 810 WHB. Sterling Holmes here live at Hollywood Casino at Kansas Speedway. We'll be here until 7 p.m. for the Chiefs Legend Show every Monday from 6 to 7. We'll be here live with special guests, former Chiefs players, getting their inside perspective on their career, the past Chiefs game, or in this case, the bye. A look ahead to the upcoming one and much, much more. Tonight's special guest is former Chiefs safety, Ring of Honor member, an NFL 1980s all-decade team. Duran, Sherry, Duran, how are you? Sterling is good, man. I'm good. It's good to be here with you tonight. I, I was laughing. Legends night. You, you were the, the earliest guy here. You, you 12 minutes early. Duran's now the leader in the club. As we're taking yeah. taking notes here of who gets here. The, it, might the be a little, it might be a little longer than that because I was upstairs you waiting for about five minutes. Got <laughs> lost and didn't know where it was. But uh, I'm here and, and happy to be here. Well, thank you so much for being here. We're going to take a look ahead at what the Chiefs have done so far to this point as they lead the AFC, which is wild because you talk to a lot of Chiefs fans right now. There's all these inklings of unrest, if you will. We're so used to seeing this explosive offense, and it's not been explosive. It's been the defense. It's been a defensive battle game after game. And so there is a little bit of uneasiness. But again, every team is looking up towards the Kansas City Chiefs. What have you seen so far as they sit at 7-2? and two? Well, yeah, you look at the defense, and the defense has been outstanding for the first half of the season. Um, they've played well. They've kept the team in games, uh, especially when the offense has been really slow. Yeah. Um, you know, we've had a lot more turnovers, which is uncharacteristic. We have a lot, a lot of penalties on offense, which, you know, we've got to fix that going into the stretch. Uh, of the season, and, and I'm sure they'll improve on that during this bye week that they had, you know, to focus on those issues that they really need to correct. Um, and I think they'll be good at that. But so far, the highlight's been the defense. Yeah. The young players that have stepped up and played in the secondary and even up front, and uh, getting Chris Jones back early in the season was a big plus for them. It allowed them defensively up front to be able to, to control the line of scrimmage against some of these better teams. And, uh, so the defense has really been the shining star so far. We've got to get our offense on track. Yeah. I mean, that's that's clear. I mean, Patrick has played well, but he's, you know, he's had some hiccups during um, the course of some games, and um, sometimes that's because of pressure and the way some teams have played. You know, we played the Broncos twice, and they yeah. play that zone defense that doesn't mm-hmm. give you the ability to throw the ball downfield and hit big plays, and so. They've struggled a little bit offensively doing that, but in the games where he's been patient and waited for his opportunities, he's done extremely well. So we'll see what what the second half brings us. Yeah, and that's what I find so interesting because you look at Mahomes, and while he's been good this year, he's not been up to those lofty Mahomesian standards, right? But then you look at the NFL betting odds. First for MVP. You look around the NFL right now, defense has adjusted a little bit, it seems like, to the high-scoring offenses. Uh, scoring has been down overall this this season. Do we have too high of expectations to an extent? Like, And maybe that's not the right word, expectations, but the Chiefs' offense is fourth in yards per game. You look at it, their scoring is 13th. Mm-hmm. What the issue has been is short-yarded situations, right? Short-yarded situations as well as the red zone. They've stalled there. Actually, I was going to say that. It's short yardage and it's red zone. They they have to figure out a way to get drives, continue drives in the short yardage. We're talking about third and two, yep. third and one. 
those situations, we just seem like we don't have, you know, the right plays called or we're doing something gimmicky, it seems like. And instead of just going and, you know, getting one or two yards, rushing the ball, we have to be a better rushing football team in the second half if we're going to be successful. Um, And I think that's a challenge that, you know, I'm sure Andy is talking to that offensive line this week. Mm -hmm. Uh, Hey, hey, guys, we've got to step up. We've got to be more physical. We've got to be able to establish the run. We've got to be able to run when we want to run. Yeah. And we can't allow teams to dictate to us when we can't run. If we got to be in a third and short situation, we got to be able to run the football and pick it up. You know, last the last game was a prime example. You know, at the end of the game, four minute drill, mm-hmm. you got to be able to run the ball. You got to be able to pick up one yard. And instead of running, they threw the ball. It's incomplete. It's you know. So what do you do? You you've got to figure out a way to improve that situation. And if you're able to improve on the rushing game, I think that opens up so many more opportunities in the passing game to make this team a lot more balanced rather than teams just focusing on them passing all the time. Yeah, you know who's mad is Christian Okoye. Christian Okoye, (laughs) he's not too happy watching the Chiefs struggle on third and one. Uh, Again, Daron Cherry is our guest as we were here live at Hollywood Casino. I do want to focus on the defense right here because they have gone from one of the worst in the NFL, frankly, one of the worst in NFL history just a few seasons ago, to now easily top three. They are second in points per game given up, fourth in yards per game. Uh, They've been electric. It's It's not gimmicks, right? It's not forcing a lot of turnovers. It's not that teams have stalled in the red zone. Quite frankly, teams have been 15th to 18th against the Chiefs once they get to the red zone. That's not the case. They're just not letting teams get to the red zone. This Chiefs defense has been a revelation. How have you seen this transformation take part over the past few seasons? Well, you know, you've got better players. You had younger players who are growing up now. Yeah. You remember our secondary last year was probably one of the youngest secondaries in the league, and they went and they won the Super Bowl. Yeah. So now they've got a years of experience, and not to mention our linebacking core was young. Yeah, and those guys have stepped up, and then you add in players like Tranquil, mm-hmm. you know, and you get some veteran players to to fill in. Then you improve your pass rush up front. You know, Carlostas is doing a great job. You know, and then you you get you know Chris Jones back it makes a big difference. This defense is designed, especially with. The way our defensive coordinator calls plays, right? <laughs> and he's been able to keep opposing offenses off balance for the most part during the season. So when you consider all that and you've got the personnel that you can run these defenses and these different schemes that he has week to week, because let's face it, every offense is different you're facing week to week. They're not necessarily the same. So you're coming up with different packages each week to make sure that you can keep that opposing offense off balance. And they've done a great job. And, you know, the guys have picked it up, and that's that's the part of being veterans, right? You get that season underneath mm-hmm. your belt. Now you can go out and do some other things. And the one thing that impresses me most about this defense is how aggressive they are. Yes. You know, the young guys are aggressive. The corners are aggressive. Yeah, you're going to get beats once in a while. You're going to have some penalties. But if you're aggressive and you go after people, Man, I tell you what, it's it's made a big difference. Well, I think that was the game plan against the Dolphins, right? Just bump Tyreek Hill the line of scrimmage, be very physical. They throw a flag, make the ref throw a flag. They ain't going to call it every time. That's right. They're not call it every time, so you be physical. And what happened? He had his worst output of the season against Kansas City. They're also great tacklers, right? It's not just they're good in coverage. You look at Trent McDuffie, right? Oh, man. He is a what great a tackler. And, and that's what's interesting is the knock against him was potentially the physicality. He's a little smaller, the, the, the short arms, right? And then what happens? When He's they a great go- tackler. 
exactly. When they go after him, he makes them pay, and that's that's what you do. You you can see where teams want to attack this football team. You got Janarius Sneed on the other side, yep. and and he's got a lot of action this year. Everybody's yeah. going after him because they want to stay away from Duffy. Yeah. But you go to Duffy, he makes plays happen. Like last week, causes a fumble, get get the uh, the return for touchdowns, big play in the ball game. So, yeah. Um, give these guys credit. They've stepped up. They're making plays. Even the safeties in the back are being physical, coming up, hitting, um, and and stopping the big play. You know, we haven't seen too many big plays over the top. Uh, Not a ton of hands year. up looking around, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> hands up looking like, oh, okay, whose guy was that? Where's he at? You know, uh, and I think they're doing much better. I'd like to see them become even more better in situational football. Sure. I think once they get that underneath their belt, then they're going to be awfully, awfully tough. What's fascinating is we're talking about this defense. You even said it. It stood out to me. You said they have a season under their belt. Not seasons for a lot of these guys. A season under their belt based on the amount these guys play, right? The Chiefs have the youngest defense in the NFL still based on how much these guys play. How crazy is that? They are top three, and they're that young for you. And for you, how hard was this for you, your, your first couple of years in the NFL? Yeah. When did you finally get that switch? Was it immediate? Was it after year one, after year two, when you started to feel like, all right, the, the speed from college has now transitioned to the NFL. I feel comfortable now. Yeah, I, I think it was year two where I started to feel what the speed was, you know, because, you know, year one you're playing, you're just thinking. You're out there thinking. You're not really playing. You're you're thinking about, oh, I can't make a mistake. What is my assignment? So you got so many things going on in your head. Year two, you're more comfortable. You understand the defense. You know where you're supposed to be. You actually uh, get into a situation where you know where everybody else on the defense now is supposed to be. So now you can you can find out where you need to be to cover up for somebody if you need to. You know running lanes, where you yeah. need to fill in because the tackle's supposed to be on this side of the guy. The, the end is supposed to be over here. So now you know you can fill right there in, in the seam. So. It was the second year where you start to really click and really feel like, okay, I know my responsibility. Now I can just go play and react rather than sit there thinking about what's going to happen. You, you, you're able to see routes more readily, you know, understand patterns that are going on. Down and distance situations during the course of the game, you understand where they are coming. You know big play opportunities. You know after a turnover, you got to be alert. you got to be ready. You know, because that's when they usually try to go for a deep play or a big play when, you know, the emotions seem to take over after a big play or a turnover. So it's all those things that go into it. And now you're you're not even worrying about it. You you know it because you're you're in tune to it now in that second year, whereas the first year you're just there's just so much going through your mind. You you don't even know. You're just trying not to make a mistake. You're trying not to let that eye in the sky show those coaches that you just made this big mistake in a big game. So and and those plays can come at any time. Yeah, Chiefs Ring of Honor Ring of Honor member Deron Berry is our guest as we heard live at Hollywood Casino at Kansas Speedway. Let's talk about the safeties right now. We talked about the corners. Let's talk about Justin Reed, Brian Cook, to an extent Shamari Connor. Uh, Mike Edwards has filled in. I think was a yep. nice signing, little little uh, under the radar signing this off season. What have you seen, for, seen from these guys in particular? Well, I see consistent play, and that's what you want out of your safeties. These guys have to be consistent. They got to be able to come up in the run, but they got to be versatile enough to be able to cover on pass routes, and they're doing that. They're not letting the deep pass get to them. Have they made mistakes? Sure, they have. Everybody does. That's just the nature of the NFL. You got to give the other team credit. They're going to scout you. They're going to figure out what they can do to throw you off your game. 
But the thing that I'm impressed about is how consistent week to week that these guys are, and that bodes well for this defense. It, it, it's good to have a guy like Justin Reed that has leadership, has been in the league for a while. He's had that success, and that calms everybody else down. And Brian Cook is going to grow. Yeah. He's, he's young, yeah. and so he's learning right now, but he's learning at a fast pace, and he's being productive, and he's making good decisions back there. And um, and that's something that a safety has to do. What are some traits that separate the average from the good and the good from the great and the great from the elite? What are some traits that safeties have? Maybe it's uh, the, the tangibles, the intangibles. What really separates these guys? I always say being prepared. You know, if you study film and you understand what you're trying to accomplish from a game plan situation and you go out there and you're able to diagnose things and get your players in the right position. Get in the right calls. You know, if it's Justin Reed making the calls or if it's Brian Cook making the calls in the secondary, understanding what happens as the game goes and as teams try to motion you out of coverages and put you in a different coverage, you have to be able to communicate those things. So being able to understand all of that is very critical to keeping your guys lined up correctly and not being able to turn people loose and make mistakes and then understanding the flow of the game and how the team wants to attack you. And you can always do that through studying film. There's there's not enough film that you can't watch that's going to give you the ability to understand how the team wants to attack you. And then you're able to pick up different things. You can pick up whether it's going to be a run or whether it's going to be a pass. And then you can give yourself a little bit of leeway. You can cheat a little bit. Hey, if you know it's going to be run, hey, you inch up a little bit so you can make it a little faster to the line of scrimmage. If it's pass, you get back a little bit, give yourself time to read and react to what's going on defensively. So, I mean, offensively from the patterns that are being run. But uh, it's all about studying. The, the good players spend the time to get to know everything there is about the opposing team and then be able to put that in action during the course of the game and be consistent and not make mistakes, big mistakes, because big mistakes can kill you. And understand that you got to play for 60 minutes, and that's the focus. You have to be focused for 60 minutes. Well, clearly you were prepared a lot and you studied a lot of film. You had 50 interceptions in your NFL career. That's nuts, man. 50 interceptions? 50. That is great. I had actually 53, you include the playoffs, but they don't include <laughs> playoffs, don't right? It may, I don't know. It it's, no weird. Sense. it's weird to me that they don't include that in uh, in the stats, and uh, it's just crazy. You know, it's funny because you you, you think that there it's a game, right? Yeah. It's part of the season. It's more important. They'll, they'll <laughs> let those receivers get all those yards, right, and catches, but they won't let defensive backs get interceptions, right? So it's, it's I don't the NFL know. conspiracy once yeah, again, right? They yeah, don't ever count, they don't ever count those, you know, those things. And I probably would have had more than 50. I, I always uh, get on, uh, tell this story, but, you know, I probably would have had Elway about three or four more times except Mike Bell jumped off sides. <laughs> Elway would give him that heart count. He'd jump off sides. He'd throw the ball down the field. I'd intercept, and I'd go, Mike, another one. Another one you took out of my hands. Oh, did he buy you dinner or something afterwards? Uh, no. new, new golf he talks clubs. about it all the time now. <laughs> yeah, D, I would have. You would have had four more interceptions if it wasn't for me. Uh, doesn't even buy you dinner or a nice, uh, uh, nice glass of wine. Leave right. something. Come on, man. Yeah. Uh, do you have a favorite of those fifty? Of those 53, technically, or even 57, if you would count I would, the offside. I would say that the, one of the favorites I remember is my first one. Yeah. Uh, we were in the uh, playing uh, the Raiders in Oakland yeah. at the the old stadium, at the, uh, what is it, the old baseball stadium. Yeah. You know, what is it? 
the Coliseum. The Coliseum. Yeah. Well, yeah. Alameda. Yeah. Was it Alameda Coliseum, I guess, where they played baseball? This is my first uh, the first time going out there and first game. Um, I was playing Nickelback and um, and picked off the pass. I think it was uh, Herman was a quarterback mm. at the time, and uh, I remember it so well because my cousin lived in California and he drove up to uh, Oakland to see me play. And I uh, got the interception, and then after I walked off the field, you know, I see all this commotion up in the stands, and here my cousin's up there fighting with the Raider fans, right? That's awesome. Because he's talking trash to him. Because <laughs> he's like, oh, that's my cousin, that's my cousin, he got an interception. And I remember giving him the ball after the game since he drove all up. So he's got my first interception in my oh, history. Awesome. So it's it's cool. Uh, Duran Cherry is our guest as we heard live at Hollywood Casino at Kansas Speedway. All this talk, the new players talking about turf versus grass, and you're sitting here going, "Yeah, well, we played on a baseball field." <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's funny. I remember playing out in Oakland. You know, it was weird because it'd be like 70 degrees sunny, and the field be like wet on the sidelines. Yeah. you know, and. Back then, if you remember, we had Joe Delaney, who was a dynamic running back, mm-hmm. and I think Al Davis would go out there and tell those groundskeepers, hey, wet those <laughs> sidelines down. Casey's turning up the field to cut. He'd slip all the time. So there's little games I think they used to play out there back in the day, you know, because, I mean, it's just amazing that you go out there at 70. It's nice, beautiful weather. And the field is soggy, but the water table in Oakland is a little different, too. <laughs> who, who did you like playing more? Oh, I loved. Um, I love playing against the Broncos out at yeah. Mile High. It was a great atmosphere, great stadium. Um, you know, you just couldn't, um, you know, that, that atmosphere. Now, I think I was oh, one in ten or something yeah. out there. <laughs> we, we would be winning games, and then Elway would bring them back. And well, it's, it's like now, right? Right. It's like now. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, you know, we won our – I think we won maybe six or seven games against them during my career, and – but we didn't win too many out there in Mile High. But it was a great atmosphere, great stadium to play in. Uh, enjoyed that. Um, I'm trying to think. Oh, Seattle Kingdom, yeah. the indoor facility was pretty good, even though it was on turf. It was loud in there, so the the atmosphere was good. I I liked the games where we had a lot of atmospheres, a lot sure. of fun, and good rivalry games like Oakland. You know, playing against them twice a year and Denver twice a year. They were always fun, and then going out to San Diego, you know, remember Jack Murphy Stadium, you know, going in there. I used to watch it when I was a kid on TV, you know, seeing, you know, the great players at San Diego, the receivers that they had, mm-hmm. Charlie Joyner, and here I am now I'm playing against Charlie <laughs> Joyner, Kellen Winslow, and yeah. Wes Chandler, and those guys, and, you know, you're out there playing in that stadium that you watch as a young kid growing up. You see them because they were always – the four o'clock game on the East Coast, you sure. know, so you get the AFC. So we got, to, I got to see a lot of the AFC games, and you know, just to be able to play in those stadiums, you know, you, it blows your mind to think, of, man, I'm here, you yeah. know, I'm here. Were, were you ever sad when when Oakland is now moving or moved to Vegas? When San Diego went to LA? That, that's not to me, for me personally, I'm 29, yeah. quite as big because San Diego's fan base wasn't. Uh, the best at this point, but you look at Oakland. Yeah, that, and, that's and, sad. And, and you have that rivalry. It's like, for me, I'm a Mizzou guy. I, I don't like KU, but I understand what it means. It's fun. If they were to all of a sudden move 30 minutes south, it wouldn't have the same feel. You, it doesn't have the same feel for me playing the Raiders. Yeah. Uh, now they're in Vegas because 
not a home crowd. It's not the black hole. It, it, it's a whole bunch of tourists that come in that want to gamble. Well, I, I've been out there to a game in, in, in Vegas, and it was weird because we traveled on the same bus as a bunch of Raiders fans. There's a bunch of Chiefs fans and a bunch of Raider fans <laughs> on the same bus. I go, where do you see this? At? If we were in Oakland, they probably would have been, we would have never survived. <laughs> they would have they killed us being on the same bus as Raider fans. You know, it didn't happen. But in Vegas, it happens. Yeah. I mean, that's it's good, but it's it's a great environment out there. I'll give them credit. They did an uh, unbelievable job with that stadium out there. You know, you do miss it, though. You do miss playing in, you know, like Oakland, you know, because there was such a rabid fan base. That was part of their history and their story, right? Same way with the Chargers. You miss not being in San Diego. It's beautiful to go out there once a year. Nice, (laughs) nice area. But, you know, they're in L.A. now. And even when the Raiders left and went to, you know, Los Angeles, it was different. You know, playing in that Coliseum is so big, and it just Mm -hmm. seemed the fans were so far away from you. You didn't even really feel like you were playing a game. It was like almost like a scrimmage game because of the atmosphere. So it's just, just crazy that, you know, you see some of these teams move. But, that's the way economics is, you know. Yeah. It's, it's it's very tough. And well, hopefully money. <laughs> hopefully we don't see that here in Kansas City, that we can keep our team here in Kansas City and they don't have to move, and that that would be great. Yeah. Uh, Duran Cherry is our guest as we're here live at Hollywood Casino at Kansas Speedway. We'll be here until 7 o'clock. It is the KC Legend Show. We will take a quick break. Come back. Sports Radio 810 WHB. Welcome back to KC Legend Show right here live at Hollywood Casino at Kansas Speedway. Once again, we will be here until 7 p.m. Sterling Holmes joined by Ring of Honor member NFL 1980s All-Decade Team Deron Cherry. Let's talk about something that helped get you into the Chiefs' Ring of Honor and something, a specific game that helped maybe get you on that 1980s All-Decade Team. Four interceptions in one game. Yeah, that was crazy. It was uh, a game that it rained the whole entire game. It was a downpour uh, against Seattle. And uh, actually, I had my hand on nine footballs that day. (laughs) I had the fifth interception in my hand, and Lloyd Burris came and hit me and knocked it out because it was so wet. And I had these scuba gloves on, and it just squirted right on out of my hands. Otherwise, I would have had five. I could have had legitimately seven. Man. Um that well, day. What it, are they doing? Crazy. What are they doing throwing your way at, the, at well, that point once you get three? Yeah, well, it's hard because, you know, when it's it's a downpour, sure. it's so it's raining. So sure. you're trying to make plays, and we got ahead of them early, which helped us out because down defensively, you know, when you're playing in the rain, you're playing on turf, at least you have some good footing, right? Yeah. You know, if you got the right cleats on. But. You could sit back and give yourself plenty of room and just read the quarterback because they got to get rid of it. Yeah. And the way Seattle's offense were, it took a lot, long time for their receivers to get downfield. And when it's wet and rainy, they can't really cut on the dime. You know, they got to gather themselves together sure. so you get a better read in, in those games and against quarterbacks. They're trying to look to where they're throwing so you could get a good jump on the ball. And we got some great jumps on the ball that day and just happened to pick off four. and <laughs> Just incredible, incredible deal. Is that your favorite game? When you look back on your illustrious career, is, is that what you look at and you point to? Is there another game, nah, another moment? Well, you know, the moment I think was my first game I ever played 
you know, that first game when you suit up as an NFL player, that's awfully special because you yeah. know that that's the first opportunity and you realize that, hey, I've made it, right? Mm-hmm. I came in as a free agent punter, right, and then switched to the secondary. So for me, it was big because, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't given an opportunity. You know, I had to, you know, I was the last player cut my rookie year and had to have an opportunity to come back. Uh, thank God Martin Levy let me come back and work out as a safety and not just uh, a partner and um, made it through the cuts and, you know, was the last player cut. And then after the first game of the season, my rookie year, they brought me back. Um, and then it was two weeks later, you know, my third game is when I suited up and yeah. we were in, uh, I think Seattle was the first game that uh, I suited up. So it's that game I remember because that's the first time where you suit up and you're truly an NFL player. Yeah. And all your dreams and aspirations and, you know, it it's all comes together. And it's overwhelming. It really is because, you, you know, there's people that tell you, well, you're never going to make it. You're never going to be an NFL player. And then you're out there and you become an NFL player. And then, you know, I think the next greatest moment for me was uh, my third year when I became the starter in the secondary because Gary Barbaro, who's a two-time All-Pro player, wound up leaving, going to the USFL. Yeah. And then I was able to step in. And um, to me, that was a big, another, you know, defining moment that here I was. Now I'm starting in the National Football League as a safety. What was that transition, the the time commitment, the film study, the ability to learn, going from punter yeah, yeah. to safety, six-time All-Pro safety, Yeah, by the, by but the I way. played safety in college, so it wasn't something that was new to me. And, and for me, it, it, the situation worked out really well. The Chiefs had drafted three safeties that year, and so I know they needed help at that position. They were looking for safeties. Lloyd Burris was drafted yeah. 3A, okay, and then they had, or he was 3C. There was uh, Marvin Harvey was drafted 3A, and then there was another guy drafted. So they drafted a safety, and then they drafted one in the fifth round and one in the seventh round. So it gave me an opportunity to know that, God, they're looking for safeties. Let me. And then once I got to, to minicamp, you know, and realized, I'm going like, you know, I could, I'm just as <laughs> I'm, good as I'm those guys. These dudes, yeah. I'm just as good as that. Now, Lloyd Burris was a hell of a player. Don't don't get me wrong. But the other guys, I'm saying, <laughs> man, I'm just as good as those guys. I, I need to put my hat in the ring. And so fortunate enough for me, um, Ted Cottrell, who's my defensive coordinator at Rutgers, came here to Kansas City at that time, and he was the linebacker coach. And so that, that kind of helped, I think, sway Marv Levy. To Did you go to him at that point? No, I didn't go to him at that point. I said, you know, I want to – I called him and said, hey, you know, I want. I wonder if Coach will let me come back in and play safety after watching those guys. He said, give him a call. So I called Coach Levy and said, hey – hey, I want to come back in. You know, I know my punting wasn't what it should be, but Frank Gantz was a special teams coach, yeah. and he was trying to change my punting style. And I said, you know, Coach, I could play quarterback. I can be the punter. I can play safety positions. I can play cornerback positions. So I'm selling myself sure. on all these positions because at the time it's a 45-man roster. So the more you can do, the better off you can be. And I could play special teams and do all those things. And I said, hey, could you give me a chance and let me come back in and work with, you know, the safeties? And uh, thank God Coach Levy said, yes, <laughs> come on back in. And then the rest was history. I mean, it's it's a crazy story. You, part of you, 
Does part of you ever wish you would have stayed at at, at punter? If you if you'd got the opportunity and you would have and you would have had a long career, I know it's tough to give up six all pros, less yeah. hits maybe. <laughs> well, uh, I I would have had an opportunity uh, in. Um, it was 1989. We were playing. Uh, it was the last game of the season uh, in Miami. Yeah. Kelly Goodburn was a punter. He's warming up. He pulls his hamstring. He can't punt. The week before that, we're playing against the Chargers in Arrowhead. Neil Smith, I tell this story, he gets fooled on a reverse. He comes back, dives to make the tackle. The guy drops down, and he hits me right here in my knee, tears my ACL. Oh. So I go in, I'm in the hospital, I had surgery, I'm watching the game, and they say, yeah, Kelly Goodburn's out, uh, he pulled his hamstring, so he's not going to be able to punt, and Nick Lowry had to do all the punting <laughs> duties. That would have been my <laughs> job. <laughs> and you. Yes, because I was the backup punter all those years. Oh. It would have been me, and I never got an opportunity because I'm laying up in the hospital with my knee all swollen, had oh. surgery, ACL repaired, and... Um, didn't get a chance to punt, but no, I wouldn't change it for the world. I, I, you know, playing safety was was a dream of mine, and it was fun, and I enjoyed it. And um, I, I, I must say, I got to give um, Gary Barbaro and Gary Green a lot of credit because they taught us literally how to be professionals. And these were guys that were all pro players. They didn't have to, you know, instill in us what it took to be a good professional, but. Those guys were very unselfish, and they and they did that for us, for me and Lloyd, and then all the other guys that came behind us. They they were the best. Even though if they, you know, I took Gary's job basically. Yeah. You know, he went to the USFL, but I was able to step in. Sure. And the reason I was able to step in and be so uh, so good at my job was because of the time that they put into us. And so I always felt like we had to give back to those younger guys that were coming up behind us to make sure they understood what it meant to be a pro and how to be successful at their job. Deron Cherry is our guest. That's really interesting because you've heard that a lot from Kansas City, but you don't hear that all over, right? You know, it has to be a fine line between you're trying to help the young guys out, but also you have to realize as a player, they're also trying to take my job. So what was that like for you? Obviously, they helped you out. We saw, we saw with Alex Smith giving the reins eventually to Mahomes. They, he knew this is the heir. My job here is to get him prepared. And by doing that, Alex Smith obviously elongated his career, ended up going to Washington. Obviously, the freak injury happened that yep. derailed it. But, but you see that. What is that fine line right there? I, I don't know if it's a fine line. I think it's the individual. It's the, the, the person, the Gary Greens and the Gary Barbaros. What they were concerned about was the team and us winning. And so they understood if one of us went down, somebody has to step in there, and you have to be prepared once you step in. So when we were at team meetings all throughout the course of the year, those guys sat back. They didn't answer any questions that the coach was throwing out. They'd look at us, and we'd have to answer all the questions because they wanted us to be prepared. And they tell us, hey, you got to be prepared in case one of us goes down. you got to be ready to step in. And those guys, each one of those guys that are lined up, they're dependent on you. So you better know your stuff. So they put that pressure on us early on. And to me, I think that was the greatest gift that they gave us was the ability, you know, to have to stand on our own two feet and not – you know, be there and not know anything. They taught us everything, and that was a big blessing. So I wanted to always continue to pass that on to the guys that came 
that I played with during my career. Yeah, and you look right now, the Chiefs, I think, are doing it with all the young guys they have. But I find it fascinating because the Chiefs have done such a good job, not just the Trent McDuffie's, the first-rounders, but the fourth-rounders, LeJarrius mm-hmm. Sneed, Joshua Williams, the uh, seventh-rounder, right? Uh, Jalen Watson, yeah, the sixth-rounder, Rashad Fitton, Made an impact in a Super Bowl, right? I know he's no longer on the Chiefs, but still mm-hmm. a six-rounder cornerback as a rookie making an impact in a Super Bowl. Then you have the uh, the trade. Parker Enger, which yeah. I don't know how many people remember that name, traded for Traverius Ward, who yeah. was an undrafted free agent who then turned around and turned into one of the better corners in the NFL, yeah. signed a very lucrative deal with San Fran, and is right now as a top-ten cornerback. Is this an identifying talent aspect the Chiefs have? Is it a developmental uh, aspect the Chiefs have? Is it a um, they know what guys will fit their scheme? Because they've right. done it in all different avenues. First, late round, undrafted guys. How are they able to do this? Well, it's, it's you know... Here's what you have to do when you're building a championship football team. I think you it starts with talent, evaluation. you got to know who fits your system and your scheme. But more importantly, your best players have to be your hardest workers. So you think about it, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Chris Jones, all those guys, those guys show up and they work every single day. And now all of a sudden you got these younger players who are coming in, they're feeling their way. They're looking for somebody to be – you know, the guy that they can pattern themselves after, their mentor, right? Yeah. So they're looking at the best players on the team, and they're looking at how do they work? You know, are they the first ones in and the last one sure. to leave, or are they the last ones in and the first one to leave? <laughs> because if you got that scenario, you're not going to have a championship football team because you're not going to build character on your team. You're not going to build from strength of those leaders who are setting the example. You know, you look at – those great teams, I guarantee you on Dallas, when they had Troy Aikman yeah. and Michael Irvin and all those guys, those guys were workers. Yeah. You know, you look at the 49ers, Ronnie Lott, you know, Joe Montana, Roger Craig, all those yeah. guys, Jerry Rice, they're all workers, right? Mm-hmm. You know, they set the example. So now you come in, you got guys that are setting the example. Example, what do you think those young guys are going to follow? They're going to follow those guys that have been successful. These guys can look at them and say, hey, look, we've won two Super Bowls, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. There's, there's a standard here, and that standard is you work as hard as you can because we're all in this together. And so it elevates those guys' ability to go out there every single week and play for a purpose, and that purpose is playing for each other, not wanting to let your teammate down because these guys, are they're, they've got a goal, and that goal is to be the champion. And so they have that, and that's what makes this team so special. And they have a coach that understands that. Also a very good point. I mean, you've heard from so many different former players, current players, that Andy Reid is a guy. I was talking to, uh, to Javon Curse for, mm-hmm. for the Eagles the other day. Um, he was saying, I asked him, what's it like with, with Andy Reid? Because he was there for three years under Andy. And he said, he's a guy who's a player's coach, but he's not going to baby you. He's not a coach that you take advantage of because he's a player's coach. He's a guy that makes you work harder. And I think that's very important. There's a very good, and and again, here's another fine line, a player's coach that you can take advantage of and a player's coach that you want to work harder for. And Andy falls into the latter category. We look around, and, and your point rings true, 
But the only issue I see is with the wide receivers, right? You're, you're seeing Travis Kelsey and perpetually the guys behind him. Noah Gray has gotten better year after year. Uh, you look at the offensive line, so the young guys getting better year after year, right? Trey Smith, Creed Humphrey, because Joe Tooney was that guy, the left guard right there, and he's still there, an anchor man. Uh, and then you look on the defense, cornerback, defensive line, uh, you know, Chris Jones, Frank Clark were there to mentor George Karloffis. But at wide receiver, it just seems like there's something missing. What is it? You know, when I think Tyreek left and, you know, he was the guy, right? Yeah. Because everybody respected him. The production was there. His work ethic was there. Yeah. So they saw that. Now you lose him and you're trying to replace him with somebody. Who do you replace him with? And if you remember, um, you know, Tyreek, you know, his story, you know, the guy had to overcome a lot of different stuff, right? That. Yeah. And he did. So he was an example of a guy that worked his butt off, you know, listened to the coach and set the example where guys could follow. And he wasn't, you know, he was a hard worker. I don't know if there's somebody that has stood up in this wide receiving core right now today as we speak that's that guy, you know, that leader. Um, hopefully McCall Hardman coming back brings them a sense of, responsibility because the guy's a winner he's won with this team and he brings a different dynamic to this football team that they haven't seen now people can say that him and Kadarius Tony are the same type right but I think Harmon has a lot more speed that he can get vertical down the field and make a big difference uh in putting pressure on the defense so um but they don't have that guy and that's the one thing I think that's missing now hopefully as you go through the season, you have guys that step up and take on that responsibility. You know, who's to say who that person is going to be? Maybe it's Rice. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it, it could be, you know, the way he's starting to develop. Um, and then you you would hope that somebody would come to the forefront to be that leader, you know, in that room and make a decision. And I'm sure – Patrick's going to throw to somebody, right? <laughs> so he's going to make somebody good. So hopefully they'll they'll get that turned around here pretty soon. That's that's the one glaring position I think on this football team that really there needs to be some growth, yeah, and uh, and some production there going forward because you can't rely on Kelsey. You you see what teams are doing to him now, so you can't you got to find somebody else to throw the football to and somebody's got to make catches and be successful. Uh, Deron Jerry is our guest Chiefs Ring of Honor member as we're here live at Hollywood Casino at Kansas Speedway. i got to ask, man, the Chiefs were on a bye. What happens on a bye? I mean, we, we saw Travis Kelsey down in Argentina with his, uh, I guess, now girlfriend, Taylor Swift. Mm-hmm. That was a pretty fun experience, even for the most jaded uh, of pop culture <laughs> fans. Because I'm, I'm not a pop culture guy, but I yeah, saw him yeah. like, you know what? I'm, I'm sitting here going, everybody's into good, it now, good, right? Like, good for them. Yeah, good for them. But, yeah. but what was it like for the players? Because I think we'd like to get a little behind the scenes of what a bye week is actually like in the middle of the season. Are you going through studying film? Is it a, is it a nice week off? Well, for us, you know, when we played, we really didn't have a bye week because we only had 16 games. So we didn't really have a bye. I think it was maybe at the end of my career we might have had a bye, and it was like maybe three days that you might have had off to go do things. Uh, Nowadays it's changed. You know, the whole collective bargaining agreement has made it such that, you know, they have that bye week, and there's only so much that the the team is allowed to do with the players, especially during training camp. You know, we just – 
you know, you look at how much it's changed. You know, we were two-a-days in training camp with pads on every single practice. You know, 100 and some degree heat, it didn't matter. You're in pads and you're hitting. You know, they don't do that anymore. You know, so you're saving your bodies a little bit more. And I think the most important thing is for those guys to enjoy that time off, get some rest, relax, get away from football. You know, clear your mind, clear your head. And then when it's time to come back, you come back with a refresh. You know, you feel good about yourself. You feel good about your team. And the fact that they won going into the bye week was a big plus. So everybody's feeling good, and you come back, and you know you've got a big challenge. you got the Eagles coming up. Yep. you got the Raiders coming up. Mm-hmm. you got Cincinnati coming <laughs> up. you got to play the Raiders again. you got the Broncos. Well, they played the Broncos yeah, twice. Yeah. But you got uh, I'm trying Chargers. to oh, the right. Chargers, the Chargers once, yeah. and the Raiders. You got yeah. to play the Raiders twice, and the Raiders now, you know, with the new coach, you know, they've won two in a row. So it's not going to be a cakewalk like everybody thought. No, I mean it's and they got to play the Patriots in New England. Yeah, and and while they're not good, right, you never count out Bill Belichick, especially in a situation where. You hate to say it, but his job might be on the line. There, yes. There's been rumblings, yes, rumblings yes. about that. Uh, let's take a quick break as we are here live at Hollywood Casino at Kansas Speedway. Once again, Deron Cherry is our guest. Sports Radio 810 WHB. Welcome to KC Legend Show right here. Sterling Holmes live at Hollywood Casino at Kansas Speedway. Again, Deron Cherry is our guest. You brought it up. You brought up Ronnie Lott. And you're alongside him on the All-Decades team. What, what's that like, being on the All-Decades 1980 squad? Uh, well, it's it's a great honor, I, I tell you. I'd much rather be in, in the National Football League Hall of Fame with Ronnie yeah. Lott, that's for sure. <laughs> Uh, but no, it's a great honor, and I'm I'm happy to be you know part of that all decades team. Um, I think there's only three guys from that team that aren't in the Hall of Fame right now, and so hopefully, um, you know, that chance will come at some point in time. Let's hope so. I mean, it's crazy, right? I yeah, mean- it is crazy. Um, you know, guys like uh, you know Albert Lewis, yeah. you know, should should be there and at least uh, have that that shot. Um, you know, our secondary back in the 80s was probably as good a secondary in the history of the NFL yeah. as there was with Lloyd Burris and Kevin Ross. And not neither one of the four of us have even gotten a look at the, the Hall of Fame. And that's that, to me, is is not good. Yeah, it's absurd. Six-time All-Pro, mm-hmm. all the accolades, 50 touchdowns, All-Decades team. If that does not deserve a look, I mean, that is just uh, it's crazy. It's crazy. Uh, all right, let's take a little look ahead to tonight's game. Okay, we got the Broncos with the Bills. We were talking a little bit in the break there about the AFC West. Chiefs have a two-and-a-half game lead right now over, no, it's not the Chargers, it's the Raiders. Raiders, Raiders riding high after the firing of their quarterback, the Broncos. Uh, who would have thought that trading draft picks for a head coach might not work <laughs> out? But they tried, and the Broncos here sit at 3-5, and five, but they play an underperforming Buffalo right now. The Buffalo Bills are only 5-4. and four. We talked about it. That schedule does not line up for Buffalo. They need to win this game. What are you looking forward between these two teams tonight? Well, Buffalo's got their back against the wall. I mean, if they want to stay tight in the, you know, the AFC East, they got an important game tonight. They, they're going to have to win, and you know, especially at home. And I will say this, they have a, a big advantage. 
Buffalo is probably one of the hardest places to play in the National Football League. I mean, it's it's just crazy up there. And, you know, I think that they're going to get back. Uh, you know, their coach is, you know, seasoned and a guy that, you know, can instill in, in his team, you know, um, just the right amount of confidence they need to understand that they're a good football team. they got great players. Um, they just need to stop with the mistakes. And if they – you know, can eliminate the mistakes and the penalties, they're, they're going to be okay. So I like Buffalo tonight, um, you know, even though Denver is playing pretty good. I think yeah. they've gotten some confidence, the fact that they beat the Chiefs, um, um, and they got a little bit of confidence going right now. Uh, the quarterback's playing a little bit better, but their defense has been outstanding. Yeah. And uh, – that's the one thing that I think that could keep this game close is the Broncos' defense is playing pretty good. When you talk about defense right now, I want to ask you, you know, back in the day when you played, it was more physical. Yeah. Now, obviously, roughing the quarterback, but that's a little bit more for the defensive linemen. But as far as when receivers would go across the middle, your job was to let them know, hey, we're here, you're not doing that again. But now they're protected. You can't do that. Yeah. Uh, and it's not just a flag. You're getting fined. So now you're taking money out of the pocket of the player. They're going to think not once, but twice. Well, and it, and it's funny. I say this all the time. You know, you look at how many receivers are getting into the Hall of Fame because they're they're getting thousand yard seasons. Yep. Well, that should be the average. I mean, that <laughs> shouldn't be exceptional. You know, a guy that gets maybe eight hundred or two thousand yards a year should be acceptable with the fact that you can't touch them anymore. Yeah. You can't hit them anymore. <laughs> they know where they're going. You don't. So they yeah. have a huge advantage uh up against a defensive back and you know, I just never understood that mentality, but the league is built on scoring. Yeah. Right? They want offense. So the fact that they want that much offense, they're gonna you know, they're gonna play to that, that narrative of Hey, let's throw the football, you know, be wide open, and these guys are going to make plays, which they should. They yeah. know where they're going. The quarterback knows where they're going, so they have an advantage. How hard would that be for for you, obviously, because you, you, that's how you played. But in some of the new guys, the rookies, the second-year guys, they're now used to these rules. But let's just say you're a veteran in the NFL. Let's say you're Tyron Matthew. Right. Let, let, let's say you're Harrison Smith for the Vikings. You adapt. You, you adapt. You adapt to it. You know. You know that. Uh, you, you have to adapt to every situation. The rule changes. You know, we had rule changes when we were back there. We had to adapt. You know, you yeah. couldn't touch them after five yards. That's when it first started, yeah. right? So you learn to adapt. Otherwise, you get a penalty. Well, if you get penalties, you're going to hurt your football team. You're not going to win games. So you adapt pretty quickly, even though, you know, you don't like it, but you adapt to what the changes are. Yeah. When you look at the Chargers, they're four and five. They have been picked to win the AFC West how many times? Yeah, every what, time what, what, I know. <laughs> every year they start, they picked they, to win. They hang that off-season banner, right? The off-season yeah, championship yeah. banner. Yet they're four and five. The Chiefs sit at seven and two. Las Vegas five and five. Denver three and five. As Kansas City is barreling towards yet another AFC West title. How impressive has this been for Kansas City? The consistency. Yeah, that's the biggest thing. You know, Andy and Brett Veach and. You know, you give the whole organization a lot of credit. They've been very, very consistent. And the fact that they've had a coach, they've had continuity, right? And that's a big part of this, right? When you got the same people in place, you got a coach that's been there that understands 
that's a big advantage, and, and that's the advantage we have over a lot of organizations. We have a continuity. we got people in place, and everybody's striving to the same thing, the one goal, win championships, and that's what's happened here in Kansas City. And it's great to sit here and watch it and be <laughs> part of it, and uh, it's just amazing. And the fact that we have the right guy behind center, you know, every team has to have a guy like that. Now we finally got that guy, and, you know, it's not we're not staring at John Elway and Joe nope. Montana or Dan Marino. We got Patrick Mahomes, so it's all great. Uh, Chiefs Ring of Honor member Duran Cherry. Duran, really appreciate it. Hey, thank you. Uh, this appreciate was the it. KC Legend Show live at Hollywood Casino at Kansas Speedway. Until next Monday, we are out.